I'm Daniel Levine, and this is the Bio Report. Kinase inhibitors have become staples in the arsenal to battle cancer. These medicines can disrupt the cell signaling that drives the growth and spread of tumors. There are more than 30 approved kinase inhibitors on the market today, but they often have dose-limiting toxicities in part because they often lack specificity and can have activity against multiple kinases at once. Blueprint Medicines is seeking to develop next-generation kinase inhibitors that are highly selective to treat genomically defined cancers and rare diseases. We spoke to Fuad Numuni, President of Research and Development for Blueprint, about the company's discovery platform, the large, unexplored territory of kinases, and what makes Blueprint's kinase medicines next-generation. Fuad, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Danny, for inviting me. We're going to talk about precision medicine for cancer, blueprint medicines, and its approach to developing targeted therapies. Before we do that, though, I'd like to start with your decision to join Blueprint in 2020. What attracted you to the company? Thank you, Danny, again, for having me. Um, when I think about what, what I have been doing and what we do in, in the world of healthcare to really bring medicines to patients, um, I think in our ecosystem, you know, there is the academic world, where some research is done, there is the pharmaceutical where some um, work is done, and there is also the biotech world. Um, when really I was looking to um, explore an environment that I did not work directly in before, which is the biotech world, Blueprint Medicine um, came to me as one of the leading uh, biotechnology in the world of hematology and oncology. Um, what I found rather unique back then uh, about Blueprint is the ability to create um new medicines based on a new way of thinking about tyrosine kinase inhibitor and taking the existing knowledge about that to the next level. The potential to, to, to really grow and bring more and more medicines. Uh, when I look back now two years of the blueprint, it turns out that that was really true. And where we are today, I'm sure we're going to talk about it a little bit later, but that, that uniqueness of being able to do precision medicine in hematology, oncology, take it to the next level with new, uh, new small molecules that um, go to diseases where people have never been before was very exciting. You had been at BMS and played a critical role in the development of the immunotherapies Optivo and Yervoy. Blueprint is focused on tyrosine kinase inhibitors, which have been around for some time. What's the opportunity for TKIs? What's the unrealized potential? If we step back a, a little bit and, and think about the treatment of cancer overall, um, we can identify maybe four major pillars. 
The two first ones are known for a number of years, maybe some of them are hundreds of years, the surgery and radiation therapy. And then the two other pillars include targeted agents. Um, these include tyrosine kinase inhibitors. And the most recent addition to the armamentarium of the treatment of cancer is immunotherapy, or, in, or mostly checkpoint inhibitors, just to be more specific. Um, but what we know also about the treatment of cancer, sometimes it's one drug, but the majority of the times is really tackling the treatment of cancer from all the angles. And being successful is being able to utilize surgery, the radiation therapy, the um, small molecules or targeted agents together with immunotherapy. In the world of tyrosine kinase inhibitor, the, there have been some major successes, but at the same time, the profile of this small molecules we use as tyrosine kinase inhibitor has not been enabling for selectivity of the disease without generating a lot of toxicity has not been enabling for such a combination strategies with other drugs just because of the side effects we see. Blueprint is very much focused on leveraging its expertise in chemistry and biology to, I would say, deliberately design TKIs, small molecules that are very selective. So you are doing the job on the desired target for giving cancer or, or hematological disease without generating um, collateral damage, which is the, um, the, the, the toxicity we see with non-selective TKIs. And with that being said, I think there is a new era that is opening today to um, allow Many things we did in the we could not do in the past that we are doing now, treating for a long period of time without having toxicity or without having minimal toxicity, uh, being able to combine with other modalities to take the treatment of cancer to the next level. I think TKIs are seeing now really a revolution that I believe other modalities or therapies will also see in the future. Once you pass the efficacy, you're trying to really understand how to design drugs that are in oncology that are not only efficacious but safe so you can give them for a long period of time we can give them together with others to develop therapies for genetically defined cancers I, i'm still surprised by the number of people with cancer who do not get genetically profiled were we in terms of treatment decisions being driven by an understanding of the molecular drivers of a patient's particular cancer? I think the understanding of the molecular drivers has made a lot of progress and has really made major advances in terms of understanding the science behind some diseases. Cancer, on one hand, is, is, is a complex disease, and some types of cancer have um, major or single genetic drivers. And other type of cancer, which is the majority, 
have multiple drivers and they can be together at the same time, but most of the time they appear over time driving resistance to therapies through you know, the development of cancer developing new drivers. But it is important to know all these drivers to be able to target them and develop medicines. It is also important, Danny, I think, to test patients to know what they have. What drives the testing beside you know, people doing research is the availability of medicines that target that specific drivers. And this field has been evolving very nicely over the last decade or so. So if you have like, as an example, lung cancer, we'd be looking for an EGFR mutation or we'd be looking for a red fusion. And we know that there is medicines for EGFR mutated lung cancer and there are medicines for red mutated or fusion lung cancer and so on. I think, I, I believe we're going to see a major sea change in providing patients to, 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 to be treated now that we have evolved technologically so we can study DNA, not only in the tumor, but we can go and in a blood drop, look at DNA in the periphery, what we call tumor, circulating tumor DNA. Um, and with circulating tumor DNA, we can not only you know, know what are the drivers behind the tumor, even if accessing physically to that cancer, wherever it is in the body is difficult, um, I think doing this uh, on, 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 the, on the peripheral blood is, is making it easier. The um, deep DNA sequencing availability to us now is becoming even um, more of a facilitator for this. And when you combine, on one hand, the, the, the techniques by which we are able to know what are the genetic drivers of cancer just by looking at patient's blood, and then developing specific medicine for these, I think we're going to see more and more matches of a driver and a medicine, a driver and a medicine, and, 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 and be able to really make, make progress. And actually, Blueprint, we are really in the middle of, of what I think for cancer is, is, is becoming a revolution. We use circulating tumor DNAs to, to select patients in our clinical trials, to study the efficacy um, of our uh, medicines in development. And we believe it's going to become more and more used to really make some major therapeutic decisions for patients with cancer. Blueprint describes its therapies as next-generation selective kinase medicines. What makes these next-generation? The... Um, Earlier generation of kinase inhibitor and, you know, going back all the days where um, imatinib was developed for CML and allowed patients to live longer and longer and CML not becoming one um, of the deadliest cancers we had in the past, but had many opportunities. Um, so major progress was done back then. But the challenge was really um, the ability to select, to really target um, the root cause of the disease without what I call collateral damages in terms of toxicity, in terms of um, um, adverse events or side effects of, of these medicines. And that actually prevented these TKIs in the past from doing a number of things, like you know, treating patients for a long enough period 
without having toxicity to be able to get the maximum of benefit over time. Being able to make some combination with some standard of care and acting on a given cancer from a variety of angles. Like, you know, on one hand, uh, immunotherapy, on the other hand, which is the immune system, on the other hand, the targeted agent through a TKI, which targets the cancer cells per se. And that, that was not very um, feasible um, without a lot of toxicity. And there are some targets, even people were not able to really tackle without generating, without touching the surrounding of the targets. And, and so basically not being able to drug because of that, not being very selective and being very toxic to a point where you just can't develop a medicine. And we have one that we are able to do with our selective compounds in the CDK2 space as a very good example, that we are one of the very first being able to target that CDK2 as a gene drive, as, as, as a driver of cancer that many um, research in the past could not. So being able to really design using, you know, the most up-to-date chemistry tools that we have, um, obviously, and a large part of it is, is also computational chemistry, being able to really study that interaction between the biology of the disease, of the, 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 the target gene that, that we are uh, focusing on, and, and, and the structure and, and, and from a, a, um, a chemistry perspective and being able to not only be specific on what we want, very surgical, very specific on what we want to target without touching the surrounding and environment, even today with this selectivity, we can also design molecules that will not only are selective, but are able to predict what type of change in the target could lead to resistance and prevent that resistance to the treatment in the future. Walk me through Blueprint's discovery approach. What do you do that allows you to come up with a more selective therapy to increase the potency and, and minimize off-target therapies. And is the problem with a lack of selectivity day that a, a kinase is different in a tumor than elsewhere in the body? Or is it that when you're targeting one kinase, you're, you're hitting others as well? Yes. That's the, and, and, and I would say that's exactly the challenge. TKI is in the first this face so you target the tumor but you um face toxicities in other parts of the body because where, where the gene is in not mutated as we say in its wild type form as as an example and i will tell you how blueprint um, look at this um from a um a research perspective but as an example um egfr mutation is a the gene driver, when EGFR mutates, it's, it's, it's a gene driver for about 10 to 15% of patients with non-small cell lung cancer um, in, in, in the United States. It's probably go all the way when we look at countries like China and Japan, it's about 30 to 40% of patients with, with lung cancer there. So it's an important gene driver for cancer. So at the same time, wild type EGFR is everywhere. It's on our skin. It's um, in, in 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 our GI tract. It's and so when you um, have a drug that is targeting EGFR, 
not only the mutated, but could also go to the wild type form that we have all over our body, then obviously you can do a good job on the tumor or cancer on one side, but on the other hand, you generate toxicities in organs that you don't want. In this case, as an example, the skin. You know, skin rash and skin lesions due to EGFR, white type targeting, unwanted targeting, this is not desired, undesired targeting, is, is, it has, has been a major problem. So what we're trying to do is really make, be very selective um, of the specific mutation, specific gene without really having the TKI inhibiting other forms of, of, of the gene, if you will, in other organs and generating toxicities, or even inhibiting other genes that are close but are not that specific gene and, and, and generating toxicities. And so at Blueprint, when Blueprint was, 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 was built as um, a startup company, it was really designed around building a library of starting points in terms of chemical matters, starting points that were able to lead to very selective targets by really going to understanding what was done understanding the structure of the target, and then taking the time um, to really design the best selective molecules and continuing to iterate that development, that chemi chemical development, um, to avoid the, um, the undesirable um, effects of a given molecule. So today, um, with that um, and I don't think it was easy at the beginning, as, as, as always in what, what we do. Um, it started small, started small, but I think the teams back then uh, were also thinking big. And today, um, this is, which is a good, very good thing for the, the size of a company or biotech like a Blueprint. The library has more than 55,000 annotated starting points chemical entities all geared towards the, the kinome or the, 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 the kinases, um, the human kinases with, you know, um, very solid basis that will allow selectivity when we start, when we decide to go to a given target. And, and then the other part of the, the uniqueness of what the Blueprint had been doing is really going to diseases that are driven by one major gene. As an example, systemic mastocytosis is a um, hematological chronic neoplasm. It could be advanced, but it could be most of cases chronic neoplasm. Patients are suffering from dysfunctioning mast cells, leading to anaphylactic reaction, leading to skin lesions, leading to um, digestive lesions and symptoms, uh, cognitive symptoms just in, on the brain side. And there is one gene behind that disease, and that's KIT. When that gene has a mutation, we call it the DH16V mutation, a positional mutation, the patients suffer from um, uh, what we call um, systemic mastocytosis. That was one of the very early, almost since inception, focus of Blueprint to design a highly selective specific molecule that targets that. And I'm, I'm, we're happy... Um, to say that we have reported just recently, a few a couple of weeks ago, 
um, a positive registrational study where for the first time, this strategy of really going to one gene driver of chronic disease with a selective strategy, um, being able to, for the first time, not only improve the symptoms of a patient, of these patients, but also modify their underlying disease. And I think we'll be presenting these data in, in, in an upcoming conference later this year. But I, I think that's a very good um, example how you can go to um, a chronic disease with no treatment and being able to develop an efficacious and safe options for patients. One of the challenges with TKIs is the ability of the tumor microenvironment to change and develop resistance. This has led to the use of combination therapies and the development of kinase inhibitors that hit multiple targets at once. Do you think either of these approaches fits into your therapeutic strategy? In the allowing combinations is uh, of TKIs is on strategy or a big part of our strategy. And the reason we make selective molecules is to be able, if there is only one root cause to tackle is really to directly um, 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 inhibit that TKI on that specific point. But we know, unfortunately, cancer can come and, and, and resist uh, through new um, um, developing clones from a variety of angles. And number of cancer driver could appear over time, which is a way for a tumor um, um, to resist. And I'll give you a couple of examples in what we do at the Blueprint. One is in the EGFR space. We, we know that today there is resistance to one, um, uh, to, to a standard of care, a TKI called osimertinib used in lung cancer with EGFR mutations. And this resistance develop over time. So one of our strategies, and it has to do with the number of mutations appearing either on the pathway or outside of the pathway. So one, one of the, the strategies our teams have been thinking of, if we can not have a selective molecules that deal with everything at the same time, it's just very difficult to have that, can we not wait that long because cancer doesn't wait? and generate a profile of two or maybe more molecules that are on one hand selective enough, so they are efficacious on each specific mutations, and at the same time, they are not touching any other thing that we would not want to go near um, in terms of toxicity, and combine them together. So when we combine them, we are shutting down the entire pathway. So that's the hypothesis in this lung cancer disease that our team has generated. And now it is in clinical development. We are actually in the combination phase of agents, of TKIs together, which has been always very difficult. But we believe by developing selective agents, that combination will be possible. And if combinations will be possible, then uh, we, we, we can... Um, impact the outcome of uh, giving cancer. So we have a couple of compounds in development, one of which is actually, um, we call it Blue 945, and it is combined with osimertinib. It's in, in phase one now. Another example, example Danny, is um, the world of 
breast cancer, um, hormone positive breast cancer. Um, overall, the prognosis of the disease, um, the earlier you go, the better it is. But at the end of the day, when patients relapse and they're in the metastatic setting, it is a devastating cancer. And one of the key therapeutic pillars there is the cyclin dependent kinase inhibitor. You know, the example given, albociclib blocks what we call the CDK4-6 um, 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 cycling. And, and that is a, today an important treatment for breast cancer. But we know that patients who resist to CDK4-6 strategy with medicines like palbociclib and others, they actually have another driver that appears and drives the resistance, and that's CDK2. That's CDK2-CCNE1. And that has been the focus. It was very difficult to find a selective agent without generating major toxicities. And if you, if, if, if you don't have them around, that's probably one of the major reasons. So our teams were able to design one. And um, the strategy is not only to develop it as a single agent where really the gene driver is uniquely driving some parts of the disease, but eventually to combine it with CDK4-6. And again, for the first time, we'll be able to put together two combinations of agents that, you know, few years um, 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 ago were not something that people thought it would be possible um, um, to do just because of uh, the um, how tough putting these TKIs and combining them together. So combination therapies to target multiple things is, is, is in the heart of what we do at Blueprint. Blueprint has two approved therapies on the market, Avocet and Givretto. I'd like to walk through each of those, but also have you talk about how you're seeking to expand the indication for these therapies. Well, let's start with Avocet. What is it and how is it used? Yeah, so Avocet is um, um, a kid inhibitor uh, who, um, which has been approved in um, a couple of diseases, different, but both um, very um, um, severe and with a, a, in a high medical need. The first approval of Avakit was in just, these are gastrointestinal um, sarcomas and in a subgroup selected with one specific gene driver or driver of the disease, PDGFR alpha, um, where AVACIT showed um, very high level of activity and was approved, fully approved by the FDA using just a small study in, 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 in late stage patients with this disease just because of the um, compelling benefit um, risk that the um, medicine shows. So that was the first approval. And it has been followed by an approval in the, um, and that was last year, an approval in uh, another devastating form of hematological malignancies, and it's the advanced systemic mastocytosis. These patients um, have uh, dysfunctional um, mast cells due to the KIT mutation, um, and the um, the, these patients not only they develop symptoms of like mast cell dysfunctioning, um, but they, they, they have their organs, including their bone marrow, 
completely invaded by these dysfunctional mast cells and basically we're in a situation of like a hematological cancer and and so um small study showing very compelling results with avapredinib was approved by the fda last year um fully approved by the fda last year it just tells you on one hand how compelling were the data and how um um uh, how high is the medical need in these patients? And then to um, the question around where are we taking AVACIT um, in, in terms of the future? Um, in fact, um, as I mentioned earlier, when we started talking, we studied AVACIT in non-advanced systemic mastocytosis, and these patients are not in an advanced cancer. They are in sort of chronic neoplasm with chronic inflammation, with devastating symptoms and a major impact on their quality of life and their daily living. And we studied um, AVA kit, um, compared it to best supportive therapy in actually a placebo-controlled large study. Um, the study was positive, as I said, a couple of weeks ago, and uh, we're very happy for the patients. We're very happy for everyone who is involved in this because now, we know we can take it and impact the broader population of patients. So we will um, hopefully be talking to the FDA about this. And that could be the next, um, the next disease or setting of the disease that Avocate will go. How about Gavretto? What is it and how is it used? So Gavretto um, is um, another very typical um, um, situation where you have a gene driver on one hand, and that's red, red gene, either it's fusion or mutation, and it's seen in a number of cancer. Most frequently seen in lung cancer and thyroid um, cancer. So Blueprint developed a Gavretto in both um, lung cancer with red fusions and thyroid cancer with, with red mutations, and this was approved by the FDA. And um, it is a therapy now for, 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 for these for, for, for these patients. And what is the next step? The next step for um, Gavretto um, is to really be um, developed in the um, all cancers where there is a red fusion or mutation as a gene driver again. Um, because these are very rare cancers and rare situation, I think what Blueprint, and I, 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 I will say with our partner, um, Roche, Genentech Roche in, in, in the United States and in um, Europe, um, what we are looking together at is doing a basket um, clinical study um, and using this basket clinical study to um, generate efficacy and safety data in multiple tumors. We, we have in the studies any type of tumors that are relapsing with no option with the red mutation or fusion, they can go in this study all together and they will be analyzed as a group. And we believe the FDA, once this study reads and it, and, and it meets the, the, the requirements that this could allow to an, an approval for all types of cancer with this um, gene driver, red. Either it's mutations or fusions, but I think that patients will um, will be getting this um, hopefully in the future. You've got three 
EGFR inhibitors in development for on small cell lung cancer. This is an area where there are a number of approved EFGR inhibitors already available. Why are you pursuing that? We, we, we are um, spending a huge amount of research actually in, in, in development in the EGFR space because as much as, as um, to your point, there are a n- number of EGFR agents, resistance of EGFR mutated cancer continues to be a challenge. And resistance can come after one or two lines of treatments of cancer, GFR mutated lung cancer, or can really be a, a, um, um, a primary resistance where patients receive the GFR and, and available GFR and it doesn't work. Because of our uh, understanding of how you know to, to make these selective molecules and how to study the biology and the evolution of the disease and what mutations, specific mutations are driving the resistance acquired or maybe primary resistance. Um, We believe that our agents developed and combined together or with some standard of care agents could not only deal with the resistance challenge after the available EGFR treatment, but could go all the way to earlier lines of treatment and prevent this resistance from happening. You're also in early stage development of an immunotherapy, Blue 852. What is this and how does it work? Um, Blue 852 is a map for kinase, uh, map for K1 inhibitor. We use also called sometimes you can find as HPK1. It's a T-cell suppressor. The target is a T-cell suppressor, and it's a kinase. So we believe by inhibiting this kinase, we will enhance the T-cell activity. In fact, in preclinical models, we see um, a solid enhancement of T-cell activity when we use our Blue 5-2 either alone as a single agent or in combination with PDL1 or PD1 checkpoint in, in inhibitor. I think that's, um, um, if, if, we, if we look at the, the development of um, uh, immunotherapy, there is one area that has been really uh, showing that as a, a target overall could lead to a solid therapeutic approaches, that's the effector T cells. I mean, a lot of research happens outside of the effector T cells. I have not seen yet a lot of impactful results in, in, in terms of uh, treatment impact. But if you think about checkpoint inhibitor, if you think about CAR Ts, um, if you think um, about um, T cell engagers or dual antibodies engaged in T cells, most of the time T uh, cell is in the center because that's the effector set against cancer. So we're happy with, you know, being able to have a, a, a highly selective uh, MAP4K1 inhibitor. I'm happy to see that in the preclinical models, we can enhance the T-cell activity. And now we are just getting ready for um, starting the phase one work. This program is also partnered with our uh, partner Roche, uh, another uh, major um, immunotherapy um, company in, 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 in the space of cancer. And um, we really can't wait to see the, the phase one starting and see what, what happens in the clinic. 
And have you identified indications you'll pursue for that? I think this, um, as in immuno-oncology, T-cell um, virtually, um, once reactivated against cancer, can be active in a number of cancers. So, um, I mean, assuming that we have successful agents and assuming the combinations with PD-L1 and PD-1 agents will do well, I think there will be a number of cancer that a uh, number of cancers that this um, this molecule could, could could go to. I think that's um, um, that's one of the um, advantages of not dealing with the tumor directly, but redirecting the immune system against the tumor. Fuad Namuni, president of research and development for Blueprint Medicines. Fuad, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you very much, Danny, for having me. Thank you. Thanks for listening. The Bio Report is a production of the Levine Media Group. To automatically download this podcast each week, subscribe to our RSS feed or through iTunes or other podcast manager. To join our mailing list, go to levinemediagroup.com. We'd love to hear from you. If you want to drop us a line or are interested in sponsoring this podcast, send email to danny at levinemediagroup.com. Special thanks to Jonah Levine, who composed our theme music, and the Jonah Levine Collective, which performs it.